So our second episode is about the carbon footprint of the healthcare industry, which is huge. And for the reporting, I visited one hospital that has spent the last 10 years trying to be more efficient. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, I'm Jared Downing. I'm a climate journalist. And what you're hearing now is from the Boston Medical Center in downtown Boston. The head of facilities, Bob Biggio, is giving me a behind-the-scenes tour of the campus. And it's pretty big. BMC is the largest safety net hospital in New England. It has about 500 beds. And the first place Bob takes me is to the supply warehouse. This space would originally have been, was built to be the boiler. So this would have been where the boilers would have been for heating the building. There are rows and rows of boxes and crates. There are bed frames and mattresses, IV racks, gas canisters, cleaning supplies, pallet loads of N95 masks. I mean, the sheer amount of stuff that this hospital has just ready to go is insane. Watch your head. We cross a little bridge into another building, and eventually we make it to the roof. And up there, in its own little building, is the power plant. It looks kind of like a car engine, but the size of a tough shed. It's just huge. It's, it's, you know, it's not that different than your car, right? It's just a big engine. This thing supplies almost a third of the entire hospital's power. Babigio says that when he joined Boston Medical Center about 10 years ago, they wanted an even bigger generator that was going to supply all of the hospital's power. But Bob thought, what instead of making more power, we tried to use less power? So they did some little things like changing all the light bulbs to LEDs, and they did some big things. They actually consolidated two different campuses together. And in the end, BMC managed to cut its power use by a full 42%. But what BMC has done is also really rare. Most hospitals in America are very inefficient, and they're really, really bad for climate change. The health sector accounts for around 8.5% of America's entire carbon footprint. That's almost a tenth of America's greenhouse gases, all coming from healthcare. And it's getting worse. Healthcare spending is going up, resource consumption and waste are going up. But here's the catch. That rise isn't strongly correlated to quality of care. So our hospitals are getting worse for the planet, but not that much better for us. From Health Affairs, this is The Earth Disease, a podcast about health policy in the climate crisis. And in episode two, we'll talk about one of the biggest causes of the climate health crisis, healthcare itself. I'll look at why exactly hospitals are so dirty and talk with a few health systems that have managed to get cleaner. So first of all, uh, I, I do believe that the first step has got to be the health system has got to make a substantial commitment to reducing its own carbon footprint. And I think it can. That's Dr. Ashish Jha, who was the dean of the Brown School of Public Health when I spoke with him. Now he's the COVID-19 response coordinator and counselor to President Biden. And when I spoke with Dr. Jha in episode one about the health impacts of climate change, I asked him what healthcare should do about it. And the first thing he said with no hesitation was, we got to stop making the problem worse. 
Of course, the health system itself is a major source of emission. And so to the extent that at the end of the day, the most important thing we can be doing about climate change is stopping making it worse. And this isn't just about the principle of the thing. Healthcare is actually a big, measurable part of the problem. It's one of the biggest industries in the United States, period. Americans spent over $4 trillion on healthcare in 2020. Health and human services is the most expensive arm of government. America spends more on public health than on defense. And last year, the House Ways and Means Committee of Congress sent a letter to Health and Human Services urging the agency to get healthcare emissions down. They said the health sector, hospitals, pharmaceuticals, medical devices, all of it, is responsible for a full 10% of U.S. emissions. And that figure is actually a bit outdated. A recent study published in Health Affairs puts it at only about 8.5%, which is good. But on the downside, that 1.5% drop didn't happen because of anything healthcare did. It happened in spite of healthcare. The electricity grid's been getting uh, less carbon intensive over time. That's Matthew Eckelman, a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Northwestern. He co-authored the health affairs study I just mentioned. It looks at the climate impacts of American healthcare. The earlier estimate that we did, which was actually between 9 and 10 percent, we made some adjustment for changes in the background energy system. Eckelman says, yeah, the emissions of the sector have dropped a bit. But that's mostly due to non-healthcare things. For example, electricity in general has just gotten a bit cleaner for everyone. So the previous estimate that we made between 9 and 10 percent reflected the economy as it was more than a decade ago. The new number that we have, 8.5 percent, it reflects a more modern, a more current version of the U.S. economy. But healthcare itself actually seems to be getting dirtier. And there's two countervailing trends that we see. One is that, as I mentioned, there is some decarbonization in the supply chain, especially in electricity generation. And that, that decarbonization trend uh, is working against the trend of expenditures, which have been going up. And so because the models that we use are directly related to expenditures, the more you spend, the more emissions there are. Okay, so basically what Eckelman and his colleagues say is that healthcare spending is going up and resource use, emissions, and waste are also going up. But here's the thing. Quality of care hasn't increased at a comparable rate. It's a bad deal. Hospitals are getting dirtier, but they're not treating us that much better. One uh, implication of this is that you don't need a very emissions-intensive system to provide higher quality care. We saw some states that were providing high-quality care with um, a pretty modest level of emissions. So the health sector has gotten so dirty and inefficient that Congress has spoken up about it, and its emissions are actually hurting people. All of the suffering, sickness, and death from climate change that we tried to get a handle on in the last episode, healthcare is responsible for a piece of that, a measurable piece. We've tried to quantify the public health damages from both climate change, what we pre imagine will happen, but also health damages from these air pollutants. And they, the numbers add up to something very significant. It's hundreds of thousands of disability-adjusted life years, so essentially a, a measure of, common measure of health damages. 
So a very large quantity that is due to the healthcare sector, and and it's ironic in a way um, because this sector, you know, the primary responsibility is to care for the populace and to ensure good health and wellness. And uh, and yet it's causing health damages by its own activities. So where are those emissions coming from? Is it all the electricity, all the gasoline for the ambulances? Eckelman says you can put them into three broad categories. First, there are scope one emissions. Scope one emissions are direct energy use, heating, gas for ambulances, that sort of thing. Then you have scope two emissions. Those are mostly from electricity, and it's a lot. Hospitals use some of the most electricity of any kind of building. And then there are the scope three emissions. And this is where things get swimmy. Scope three emissions are also called indirect emissions. These are the behind the scenes emissions, emissions in the supply chain. There are so many ways, so many pathways uh, that these indirect emissions can, can take place. All that stuff in BMC's supply warehouse, those produced carbon when they were manufactured and shipped. Emissions from the production of cement. A tiny bit of the cement industry's emissions are actually due to cement consumption by the healthcare industry. Carbon emissions from pharmaceutical manufacturing fall into this category. All the thousands and thousands of individual supply chains, each of those adds up to a little bit of emissions. And taken cumulatively, uh, it turns out to be the majority for all of healthcare. This is part of why you never hear about healthcare when people talk about the dirtiest industries. And if you look at the EPA's list of greenhouse gas sources in America, you know, imagine this pie chart with the greenhouse gas sources each getting a slice. Healthcare isn't even on that pie chart. And that's because the list represents, quote, production-based emissions. But a hospital doesn't produce a lot of greenhouse gases, per se. When a surgeon does an appendectomy, it just doesn't give off a lot of carbon. But the scalpels, the biohazard bags, the antiseptics, the shipping for it all, there are a lot of emissions in these supply chains. And hospitals consume a lot of this stuff. And they waste a lot of it, too. Examples like mostly full vials of drugs being discarded that could be used, um, but it's uh, just kind of common clinical practice to discard them, or the way that certain packs of materials and instruments are um, put together means that if you open the pack, uh, the entire pack has to be um, discarded, even if most of the instruments have never been used. There's a logic for that uh, in terms of time efficiency, um, but it does give rise to a lot of waste, a lot of wasted money, and also a lot in terms of the wasted emissions associated with those products. So hospitals, to use another Jurassic Park reference, spare no expense for patient care. But it doesn't have to be this way. They can be more efficient and still treat patients just as well. But why should we scrutinize healthcare the same way we do industries like fossil fuel or transportation? Should this industry focus on efficiency and cost reduction when it's trying to keep people alive? One answer is that climate change is going to cost a lot of money for everyone. The World Health Organization predicts that by 2030, 
the health impacts of climate change will cost us two to three billion dollars each year. And that's because the climate is making people sick right now. And it's getting worse. And it's a problem that healthcare itself can help solve. And some health systems have actually managed to pull that off. One of these success stories took me to the middle of the Midwest, at least in spirit, over Zoom, to the Gunderson Health System, based in Gunderson, Wisconsin. Gunderson has hospitals and clinics across Wisconsin, as well as Iowa and Minnesota, and its sustainability program started in 2008. And it was so successful that Gunderson's then-CEO, Jeff Thompson, was invited to speak at the 2015 UN conference where the Paris Agreement was struck. It's a big deal. And I spoke with Thompson. He was sort of the mastermind behind the whole thing. And he says when that effort began, it wasn't really about climate change. We did not frame it in the frame of climate change. We didn't frame it about polar bears losing their ice. We didn't frame it about, you know, droughts in, the, in Africa or the Middle East. We framed it as this is our responsibility to lower the pollution that we're causing, which is hurting asthmatics, heart disease patients, COPD patients. So again, this was 2008. It was right at the start of the financial recession before Obama's green power subsidies. Climate change wasn't as big of an issue, but energy was, especially in Wisconsin. Early on, you know, you have to convince a board and the public that you're doing the right thing. So we took, we took $2 million and we invested in conservation measures. This is lighting. This is cooling. This is heating. This is pumps. This is motors. This is, this is not exciting. This is basic nuts and bolts, how to make the place work better. Jeff says that since 2009, just those basic renovations have saved Gunderson at least $1.2 million every year. So we use that money to help buy some other things, some of these other infrastructure, a dairy digester, uh, for example, to take cow manure and take food waste. That's a big problem in this country put it in a big dairy digester, make 15, 17, 18% of all the electricity that the system needed. They looked for ways to clean and reuse supplies. They made recycling and waste reduction a fundamental part of their agreements with contractors. Every new supplier or contractor had to pass through this sustainability gauntlet. In one program, they actually tried to generate power from burning leftover grain mash from a local brewery. We made this deal with the brewery. We're making brewery gas into electricity for the hospital. We're going to lower the cost of care. That was the funniest thing. The beer gas was going to now drive a hospital. And, you know, lots of jokes about drinking more beer to help the hospital. And it was actually a huge success for three months. And then all of a sudden, they started getting serious corrosion in the engines. And when they investigated, they discovered that the methane had been contaminated with sulfur. So we went back to the brewery and said, wow, what have you changed? So, well, we got this giant contract for hard lemonade. And when you make hard lemonade, uh, you have to wash the vats with sulfuric acid. We had a number of failures, but we had enough successes that we convinced not only the senior staff and the board, but the community that this, this is a reasonable way an appropriate way and actually the way of the future to conduct not only healthcare but business in general. 
So finally, in our conversation, I asked Jeff Thompson, who's now retired, I asked him whether or not Gunderson had achieved the elusive net zero. So a little context. Net zero is an increasingly popular buzz phrase in the climate change world. It means taking as much carbon out of the air as you put into it. So sometimes a company will pay for solar farms somewhere and then take credit for the fossil fuel that wasn't burned as a result. Or they'll pay to plant a bunch of trees and then claim the credit for the carbon those trees suck up. That's called carbon offsetting. And carbon offsetting techniques are new and pretty controversial. And the debate about who is responsible for which cubic ton of carbon floating around in the air is far from reaching any sort of consensus. But quote-unquote net zero has become the ultimate sustainability badge of honor. But Jeff doesn't like that term. So I I never describe it as um, net zero because it gets complicated. It's are we net zero counting all the pharmaceuticals and all the things? We are not. Did we get to where we produced more energy to heat, power, and cool the place? We produce more renewable energy than we used? Yes, we did get to that. Are we there 100% of the time? Not 100% of the time. But we did get to that level of producing more energy and we own. So it wasn't like we would go out and buy credits from somebody. We actually were producing the electricity. Again, hospitals are dealing with these complicated, indirect scope three emissions, and it's impossible to perfectly map out a hospital's carbon footprint. And even if you could measure for certain milestones and metrics, every hospital is different and has different needs. That's why Professor Matthew Eckelman and his colleagues don't actually recommend universal milestones and metrics. Instead, they call for a standardized reporting framework a sort of bottom-up system that helps specific care providers assess their own individual carbon footprints and limitations. I'm really optimistic about this focus on clinical sustainability, and and there's a lot of great activity and really passionate clinicians who are working on sustainability in this area. And both Jeff Thompson and Bob Biggio from Boston Medical Center say that they agree that making healthcare cleaner is not about cutting energy use by such and so percent or achieving net zero. It's an ongoing process, a whole paradigm shift. And it means healthcare changing the way it thinks about itself and its place in the community and the entire planet. And when this building was originally built in the 1973, right? At that time, no one really cared about energy consumption. Oil was plentiful. And so we embarked on a project where we didn't replace the air handlers that you saw below, but we increased the size of the ductwork. It was about a three and a half million dollar project, but we saved, I believe it was a million and a half in energy consumption every year. You know, and doing that also improved the infrastructure for the whole building, right? The cooling, and right? So, it's really a win-win all the way around. Next time, we know that climate change is getting worse, and we can predict some of the things that it's going to do to us. So can hospitals actually keep people from getting sick in the first place? We'll look at social determinant programs and how they can help mitigate climate change in episode three of The Earth Disease.